Psalm chapter 142. We've been uh, starting each of the services this year by reading a portion of a psalm or reading a whole psalm. And it's just, it's good to start everything and to base everything that we do on Scripture. It's good to have scriptural basis for why we do everything that we do, whether it be worship, whether it be giving, whether it be uh, living our lives. And the reading the psalm at the beginning of the service puts us in the right place, in the right mind. Now, we've been, I don't know why, it just, it just seemed right at the time. I started with the last psalm, and we've been working our way backwards. And mainly because we never get to those, do we? Even if you uh, purpose to, to read through all of the psalms, you usually get to like Psalm 91 or what's the really long one? 119. Yeah, you get to that one and it just goes on and on. David had a lot on his mind that day. And we never really get to the end, but we've started, I started reading from one is 150, I think is the last psalm, and reading backwards, and we're at 142. And last week and this week, we're actually, you know, the, the other ones have all been, oh, God is good, God is great, praise His holy name, and that's awesome. That's, a lot of the psalms are like that. But last week, last couple of weeks, and then this week, we run into a psalm where it isn't necessarily that. It, it's, it's a situation where, where David has run into some trouble. And he's writing from his heart. He's, he's speaking from where he's at. So let's read one, Psalm 142, beginning with verse 1. It's actually a short psalm. It's only, uh, only seven verses. So let's read this together, and I'll, I'll read it. Just, just listen. It says, verse 1, With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before Him. I tell my trouble before Him. When my spirit faints within me, You know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. So, this is David's psalm. He's, he's writing it, but why? Why is he writing? What's happening? What, what's going on in his life? I mean, he was the king of Israel, right? How bad could life be? He wasn't what? He wasn't king yet. He wrote this before he was a king. He wrote this before everything was all easy. <laughs> and we know that his, his kingship wasn't easy to begin with. None of it was easy. Life isn't easy. You know, you read these Psalms and you realize that, I, I, that's what I love about the Bible. 
it doesn't hide over the rough spots. It doesn't just gloss over and say, oh, all you have to do is have God as your God and everything is going to be all right. Everything's going to be easy. Everything's just going to flow right along and you'll just move right into, right into eternity and, and everything's going to be great. Let there be light. No. It's very real. It's very real that there are days when it gets dark. There are days when it's hard, even if you're doing God's will, even if you're in the middle of it. How many of you have ever said, when, when a series of things or even one big thing happens that's hard, that's rough, how many of you have ever said, I must be doing something wrong? There, 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 I, must be in the, I must not be following God's will. I must be doing something wrong. No, you may just be doing something right. That's the whole point, is life is hard. And then you get married. <laughs> Which makes it wonderful. That's what I meant. That's what I meant by that. And then you have children. Oh, no. All the problems, all the struggles, all the pains, all the suffering you had in junior high, you get to live all over again. And again, and again. And as, as many times as you have children, you get to live it over again. Life is hard. What, what was going on? Where was David during this psalm? What was... What was happening in his life? Go back to the beginning of Psalm 142 there. I don't know what your Bible says at the top. Mine has headings. Mine has headings and it gives uh, context of what's going on. It says, A Maskell of David. Now, the, the sermon title this morning is called Maskell. It was really cool because I, Ethan, my son, does the, does the uh, CD duplication and he came up and he goes, Hey, Dad, what's the title for today? I said, Maskell. He goes, <laughs> yeah, funny, yeah, right. I said, no, it is. It's mass kill. As long as you, as long as you explain it, he says, I don't care. You know, M A S K I L, mass kill. It's a Hebrew word that means contemplative poem. It was a, it's a contemplative poem. It's a poem you're supposed to think about. It's a, it's a poem to make you think, and it gets put into the Psalms because people sang it. David sang it. He sang it to remind him. He sang it as a prayer. He sang it. It's a, it's a contemplative poem to God about the situation he's in. We were, I was working out in the garage yesterday, and Ethan was out there too, and I had this radio station on, on, on Pandora, and it just, it's, a, it's a very interesting, it's a station that Greg uh, turned me on to. And you might, you know, Ethan always says, if it has to do with Greg, it's going to be different. But one of the songs that came on it was a Johnny Cash song about how he had, as a, as a young man, had killed somebody and the regret he felt all the way through his life. And, 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 and Ethan says, wow, that's a hard song to think about. And it is. To think, you know, to, to go, think, remember those hard times in your life. And, and we've all had them. We've all had those days. We've all had those weeks. Some of us have even had those years. 
Decades. Do I need to go further than decades? Has anybody just had one of the, it's been one of those decades? No, it's just life. Life happens to us. And at the, and at the, the, the pinnacle of our life, even these things can happen. It's a mascal of David when he is in or was in the cave. Now, how many of you know what that means? It went, it was, it's, a, it's a contemplative poem of David of when he was in the cave. Do you know what cave I'm talking about? Yeah. Let's read that. Go over to, to uh, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 24. little background, because we're going to pick up in the middle of this, and if you don't have the background, it doesn't make much sense. The background is this, is that David's a young man, he's living his life, he's minding his own business. He's not, he doesn't have any grand expectation, he doesn't, he's a shepherd. He's one of the, he's not the youngest, but he's close to the youngest of his family. He's, he's, he's the little guy. He's the, he's the young one. He's the one that has to do all the, the junk jobs. And when everybody else is out having fun and fighting wars and doing cool things, he has to be back guarding the sheep. And, and it's just you just sit there day after day and watch sheep. Anybody ever own sheep or raise sheep? or Yeah? Oh, interesting. <laughs> I did, but don't let me. Don't tell anybody that I did. Okay. It's just, they're just sheep. They just walk around and they eat and other things. They're just, there's nothing exciting about sheep. And as a teenager, you know, what is the most exciting? David, what do you get to do this week? I get to go watch the sheep. He's out on the back hill watching sheep. He, He has no delusions of grandeur. He doesn't have any clue, any idea whatsoever that God is speaking to a prophet. And when God speaks to a prophet, something's about to happen. Something's going to happen. It's going to be amazing. And God, God in a you know, far distant land, speaks to this guy, speaks to a man and says, Hey, there's going to be a new king. And I'm going to show you which one to anoint as king. So he sends the prophet to this guy's house, Jesse. He goes to Jesse's house, and he, he, uh, he gets there, and, and he says, hey, I, I'm here to, uh, to anoint a king. Where are your sons? And Jesse's thinking, sweet. This is going to be good. And so he, starts, he brings out his oldest son. And Samuel looks at him and goes, nope, it's not him. He brings out the next son, the next oldest son, because that's the way you do things. You do it properly and in order. Because God does everything properly and in order. He brings out the third son. This has got to be the one. Nope, he's not the one either. They go through all the sons. And Samuel turns to Jesse and said, that's, that's it? That's all the sons? I mean, Jesse had quit bringing sons. Why? Because it couldn't have been David. Can't be David. Why would God use David? Not David. I mean, you know, all of his other brothers, yeah, of course. But David? He's the littlest one. He's the youngest one. He's good at, he's good at watching sheep, but that's about it. 
And, and, and Samuel says, is there, there's got to be another one. Where, where, where's, is it, where's your other son? And Jesse goes, well, he's out watching the sheep. I'll have to send somebody to get him, but I'm sure it's not him. Sends him out. David walks in the door and Samuel goes, that's the guy right here. He's the one. Anoints him. They understood what that meant. That, wasn't, that, that, that was not lost on them. It wasn't like, oh, I wonder what that's all about. The prophet of God comes to your home, anoints your son, anoints you. There's a reason behind it. He's, you know, he prophesies over him. He, he tells, you know, tells them all the things. You're going to be king. You're going to be the king of Israel. Now go back out and watch the sheep. There's a story there. There's a book there. Go back and watch the sheep. And so he goes out and watches the sheep. War breaks out in the land. The armies go to, go to war. Does David get to go to war? No. He's still watching the sheep. <laughs> When's this kid going to get his break? When is this ever going to happen for him? You know, God, you told me I was going to be king. A king should be out fighting the war, right? No, I'm back here watching sheep. When's this going to work out for me? And his dad comes out and he says, Hey, David, he says, I need you to do something. He says, There's a war going on. And David goes, Yes, there's a war going on. Yeah, there's a war going on. And, I, and your brothers are hungry. I need to send some cheese to them. Read the story. It says cheese. He brought cheese to them. They're from Wisconsin, somewhere in Wisconsin. <laughs> so David takes the cheese, he brings it to his brothers. And he goes, hey, what's going on? And his brother goes, hey, get out of here, kid. There's a war going on. No, no, what's going on? Because he sees Goliath. Well, I don't need to go with the rest of the story. You know the story. David goes from the backside of the hill, raising sheep, to fighting the battle. In just a couple of days. In a couple of days, God took him from nowhere to the top. In a couple of days. God can do anything. God can do anything. He can take the most benign looking group of people in the middle of nowhere in you know, central Minnesota, Lake Elmo. You know, just ordinary, boring folk. He can take them from the backside of the Twin Cities. Working at 3M. Working at, you know, put, fill in the blank. He can take people from, the ver from nothing to the front lines in moments. And their life will never be the same. And so David steps out, fights Goliath, wins the battle, destroys the enemy. Israel routs their enemies. And what does he get to do? Do you know what happens in this story? He goes back to the sheep. He actually went back and started watching the sheep again. It wasn't until the king started freaking out, having a nervous breakdown, that somebody goes, oh, I know about a kid that plays the harp. God can take you, even after you've been put on the back shelf again, He can bring you back to the front line in a second. We see that all the time in the Bible. David comes in. Every time he plays the harp, 
The king, the, 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 the Bible says it's a demon. The, quit, the king quits freaking out. Every time he worships, every time David sings a song, the king quits freaking out. And it's just, it's amazing. It's wonderful. David, you're my friend, you're my buddy. I mean, he's right there in the palace every day getting to watch how a king does business. Isn't that interesting? How do you go from shepherding sheep to being the king of all, of all the land? He got to sit there and watch the king's business every day. God knew what he was doing. And then David kept getting better. And then it was like, hey, David, why don't you go out? You, you killed Goliath. Why don't you go out and fight this fight? He'd go out and he'd win. Whoa, that's awesome. David, go out and fight this fight. He'd go out and destroy everybody. Man, this kid can fight. He can play the harp and he can fight. He keeps going out and fighting more and more wars. He keeps getting better and better at it. All of a sudden, the king and he hears people saying, wow, David is amazing. Isn't David amazing? He's wonderful. He's, you know, Saul, yeah, he's killed his thousands, but David, David has killed his tens of thousands, which means he's way better than Saul. And Saul says, hmm, this guy is so effective, so efficient, so amazing, I think I'll kill him. <laughs> so you might be doing everything right. And that puts a target on your back. He tries to kill David a few times. David takes off. Saul apologizes, repents, brings him back, tries to kill him again. And David's out on running now. And now he's gathered some men around him, and they're hiding. That's where this psalm comes in. That's where this story takes place. 1 Samuel 24, verse 1 says, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went into... Oh, no. Saul went in to relieve himself. I love the Bible. Like I say, it doesn't hide over those unpleasant things. It, you know, Saul went in to rest. No, he went in to go to the bathroom. You got to put yourself in the moment. You have to. I, you know, that was what was so awesome about growing up in a church where the Bible was taught and the stories were taught. I mean, how many times, you know, if you grew up in one of those churches, you heard that story over, and that's one of the cool stories, and they got the flannel graph. <laughs> the flannel graph with the rocks, and there's the cave, and here comes Saul with his robe, and then you had the, the David's men stuck in behind, and they're looking out. They're hiding in the cave, and the king comes in to relieve himself. He walks in, and I'm not going to get graphic. I could, but I'm not going to. He walks in, <laughs> thank you. No, please do not. I don't need to. He walks in, he turns around, he fluffs his robe. It is a comical scene. I'm telling you, it is 
You cannot make this stuff up. And here's David with a, I think he's got about 40 minutes this time, and they're hiding behind rock going, dude, it's the king. There he is. He's the one that's trying to kill you, David. Get him. We could end this in a moment. He's got his back to us. Kill him. Yes. Kill him. Take the sword. Stab him. He's done. We win. Hit. Let's read it because the, the reading of it is awesome. He came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave. Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, said to you Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Yes! They knew the prophecy. They understood. They get it. They knew that this was the moment. Here we go, guys. Kill him. Kill him, David. Kill him. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. How much noise was Saul making? And he couldn't hear 40 men hiding behind him, as well as a guy coming up and cutting off part of your robe. My goodness. <laughs> Left to your imagination. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with those words and did not permit Uh-oh. It disappeared. I need a Bible. Is this ESV? It is ESV. Good. Thank you. Afterward, David also arose. No, before that. So David persuaded his men out with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, my lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of the men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave, and some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father sees the corner of the robe in my hand, for the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see there is no wrong or treason in my hands." I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me be against you. 
but my hand shall not be against you. God put Saul right in the middle of David's path. He put him right in the line of fire. David could have ended him, but he didn't. Now, that's the story. That's the story of David in the cave. Let's read Psalm 142 again together in that context. context. Psalm 142, verse 1. With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before Him. I tell Him my trouble before Him. When my spirit faints within me, You know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring, out, bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you deal bountifully with me. David was cornered. Many times in your life, you're cornered. You're cornered. You have no other way out. You have no way to safety. You have no way of escape. And that can happen in so many ways. For David... It was a human being trying to kill him. For us in 21st century America, a lot of times it's the bills. It's the, it's the pocketbook or the lack thereof. For many, it's, it's health. You're cornered. For some, it's, it's people. God has spoken to you. God's been leading you and He seems to have led you right to the very place that He promised you would become, you'd get to. And in the midst of it, you get attacked. In the midst of it, somebody's trying to take you out. The answer is not your strength. In any of it, it's not your strength. It's not your ability to solve the situation. David could have solved the situation. He could have fixed it once and for all. Kill Saul. But there's so many other verses that talk about not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. There's so many other stories about people who have gotten backed into a corner. And God did something miraculous. God always does something miraculous. He always Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. We win. And it's not because of how smart we are. It's not about how powerful we are. It's not about how cunning and how anything. It's about how good He is. It's because He's good. And it's because He's God. David never once there talks about Deliver my enemies within my reach and I shall smite him with a knife. 
Because when he had that opportunity, he didn't do it. He said, Lord, you deliver me. I trust you. I believe in you. Now, why are we starting with the sermon and starting with Psalm and starting with Samuel before we worship? It's because in that context, it's in that prayer, it's in that worship where the real power lies. And you've heard me say this before. You know, I I joked with Jamie one day. It was a very interesting day. But I said, Jamie, do you know why God sent the worshipers first into battle? You know, He sent them in with instruments. He didn't send them in with with swords and spears. He sent them in with instruments. I said, Jamie, do you know why? Jamie's our worship leader. For those of you who don't know, you know why God sent the worship leaders in first? Because they're expendable. But then I told her the real reason. Because it's, it's our worship that has the power. It's the, it's the humbling ourselves before God. When we come to worship, worship isn't just something to fill the first half hour of service. Worship isn't just the thing we do while we're waiting for the rest to happen. Worship is where the power is. Worship is where we get our heart right and we sing about all the great things God has done. Who He is. Who His Son is. Who, who He is to us and how, how we're the right perspective of how we're supposed to look at Him. You know, David is going, man, my life stinks right now. He's got me cornered. He actually literally had, Saul had him cornered. If he would have known David was there, all he would have had to do is just start sending in groups of men. You know, he's got 10,000 of them. God defeated an army of 10,001 with one act of obedience. With one act of humility. What David did was, was humble. He, he humbled himself and he said, I'm not going to solve this problem myself. God, I'm putting him into your hands. I trust you. I know what you've said to me. I know you said you would do this. And me taking your anointed's life, me destroying him, is not the way this is going to happen. I'd rather die than to do this to one of your anointed. Lord, you take care of him. I mean, if you take this all the way to the end, and you remember, if you remember the story, you know, Saul didn't turn over the crown that day. He didn't say, well, here, you get to be king. You're a much better man than me. You get to be king. David still was not part of what was going on. He was still pushed out. And it was during a war, during another war, that Saul was struck. He was, I think he was shot with an arrow. And he was... He was st- lay, you know, kind of kneeling there dying, and he, was, he turned to a guy who was next to him, one of a fellow Israelite, and said, don't, and they were coming. The enemy was coming, and he said, he said don't let them get me. Don't let them take me alive. He said, I, I don't want that. that. That can't happen. He says, you have to kill me first. To say, Saul was begging him to take his life, and the guy said, all right, and he killed him. 
And then this guy runs to David going, Hey, I just want to let you know I got rid of your enemy. I, I was the one who killed your enemy. And David said, Kill him. He touched God's anointed. David was, he had it figured out. It wasn't about showing his might. It wasn't about you know, solving the problem. It was about letting God solve the problem. Trusting that God would solve the problem. If God promised David he was going to be king, he was going to be king. Didn't matter what was about to happen. It didn't matter how many armies were sent out after him. It didn't matter how many people were against him. If God said to David he was going to be king, he was going to be king. If God says to you, this is what I'm going to do in your life, that's what he's going to do in your life. Even if everything is against it. The things that God has spoken to me about. The thing that God has said to me about the river valley. The, the, the things that God has said to this church about what's, what's happening and what's about to happen. The plan and purpose that God has for us. Many days, because I get to sit and look at it every day, and many days it looks worse than the day before. But praise God for those grade school teachers in, in Sunday school that taught us these stories because immediately my mind goes back to David. God, I don't care what today looks like. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care what the obstacle looks like. Because you said, this is who I am. You said, this is who we are. You said, this is what we're going to do. I trust you. I trust you. Now, somebody could say, well, yeah, well, that was just, that was David. You see, that was David. God said all kinds of things to David because he had a plan for David. And David was, was special and, you know, God doesn't do that for anyone or for everyone. Bunk. Sorry, that wasn't a theological word. But if you take it to its original Hebrew, it means bunk. Every one of us are God's anointed. If you're born again, if you're born again, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're His anointed. That wasn't always the case back then. Back then, only priests and kings were anointed. Everyone else was fodder. But we have a new and a better covenant. The new and better covenant is, if you are born again, you're in. You're in the royal family, and you are anointed to be priests and kings. And God speaks to you. And God moves in your life. The problem is most people say, no, that, 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 that's not for me. Yes, it is for you. Yes, He has a plan for your life. And yes, by doing it, by stepping out in it, there may be days where you're cornered in a cave. Don't give up. It wasn't the first time David was cornered. It wasn't the first time that God said, go back anyway, but... But God, you realize the king is trying to kill me. Anyway, take another swing at it. Yeah, but you don't understand. My boss is a jerk. 
See, Greg's not here. I can't. I can say that safely without him saying anything to me. But you know, you've experienced it. My boss is a jerk. He's trying to get me fired. He's he, he spread lies about me. Put it. Just bring him before God. Not, oh Lord, smite him. Strike him down in his arrogance. No. God, I will not touch God. You're anointed. You, you've put him in leadership. I trust you. You are my God. You are my God. I trust you. Have your way. Do what you want, Lord. But it's in the worship. It's in the worship. It's when we humble ourselves. This Psalm 142 is a masculine of David while he was in the cave. It's a it's a contemplative poem. Something to think about as you're reading it. Something to think about as you're saying it. Something to think about as you're worshiping. And this morning, as we worship, that is your cue. This morning, as we worship, contemplate the words. Don't just sing. Don't just join in. Don't just play along. Worship. Think about the words. Think about what's going on. Now, here's the scoop. Ushers, can you prepare to receive the offering? So can you hand out the, the offering envelopes? We're going to receive the offering now. And what we're going to do is once we enter into worship, I'm done. My part's done. We mixed it up a little bit this morning. There might be other days. There may be maybe many days where we mix it up a bit. And that's a good thing. Jamie has told me that they have uh, three or four songs. They have four songs. Is there a baptism this morning? At the end of the third song, go ahead and get ready. Because at the end of the fourth one, go ahead and do the baptism. I'll just let you, just go for it. But my part will be done. I'll close out the service at the end after the fourth song, after they're all done with the baptism. This morning as we receive the offering, I want to thank everybody. Thank you so much for your giving. It's just amazing. I'm, every day I'm, I'm amazed at the generosity, at the what God is doing through you, what God is doing through us. We're uh, over $4,000 towards our goal uh, for, the, for the building fund. Our goal, our first goal is $10,000 to be able to go to the, the architect. Now, this whole project, and, and that's one of the things I keep praying about and keep you know, making sure that it's, it's in the right order. This project isn't about a building. That was for emphasis. It was not a buzzer, wrong answer. It was, it was a... Hmm. This, this, this building project is not about a building. It's not about a project. It's about the kingdom of God moving forward. It's about why we need to have this building. Why we need, to have, why we need four classrooms. Three or four, as, you know, whatever we can do. We need room to continue to teach, to, to continue to train, to continue to, 
to uh, build up the body of Christ so that we'll have, have the, the, uh, the laborers prepared for the harvest. Jesus said, "Go pray that the Lord of the harvest sends laborers. And laborers need to be prepared, need to be trained. And that's what we're doing on Wednesday nights, is we're training you guys. You're the, you're the first wave. You're the ones that are here. We're training people to be able to go into this world and be Christ, be the church in this area that God has given us. But you're not the only ones. There's going to be more. God is bringing people in all the time. God is, is, is leading people here, not so that we can have this amazing church. We will have, a, it's another byproduct of what God's doing. But it's because He has a plan and a purpose for the St. Croix River Valley. He wants people to be saved in this area. His goal, he, he, we've been praying for over 20 years that God would move in the St. Croix River Valley from, from Solon Springs, which is the, the headwaters, it's the town right next to, the, to Lake St. Croix, the headwaters of the St. Croix River, from Solon Springs all the way to Prescott, and 100 miles in both directions. A powerful move of the Holy Spirit where people are saved every day, and people are baptized every day. People are set free. Bodies are healed. Lives are restored. That's what this is all about. It's in preparation. It's getting ready. Because it's not just the hundred people that have been showing up on Wednesday nights. Which is amazing to me. I, I was telling a, a friend of mine, a pastor, that you know, last year at this time we had 25, 30 people in the building on Wednesday night. And that this summer the Holy Spirit said start doing classes this way. And starting in the fall, it grew from 80 to 90 to 100 to 110 to 120 within weeks. And, he, and, my, and my pastor friend said, what did you do different? And I went, I don't know. I just did what he said to do. But one of the things we notice is we need rooms. We need more room. And we're, we're double booking things and we're, we're using things that, you know, rooms that are not built for what, it, what we need them for. So we need a, we need more space and we'll do it the most efficient way the most effective way we'll do it right because it's not about building buildings it really isn't if you've known me for any length of time it is not about building some kind of empire it's about building a kingdom his kingdom it's about people i'd rather put every penny into people but in this it's just we need another tool the tool is a building so we're 4,000 towards the goal of 10,000. Thank you for everybody. It's been three weeks. Three weeks, we're already that far. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's Him. It's, it's Him working through you. We, we get to enjoy the benefit of Him being good. Amen? So this morning as you give, give as the Lord leads. Don't give out of compulsion. Don't feel, don't give because you feel any way, shape, or form coerced. Give because He's leading you to give. A couple of quick announcements and then I'm done. Remember that Wednesday night, Jerry Jones is back and he'll be finishing up his, his uh, first class. Uh, the uh, parenting class has uh, another week. Is this the last week of the parenting class? 
that'll be wrapping up. They'll have classes before uh, before dinner or during dinner, but then also uh, the regular class after. So if you've missed any, they'll, they'll pop in the one that you missed. Or I don't know how they're doing that exactly, but I know there's they're showing ones that you missed. Show though that watch those. Those are the only two classes I'm trying to think of. There's, there's nothing else. Those are the two classes that are going on. There's always a meal served at 530, 530 to 650. It's five bucks. It's fantastic. It's good food. You'll be blessed. If you have a, it's, it's good to have big families on Wednesday nights. Because any any family member over, you know, the families are 15. You know, three people or more. So like, you know, some of you are like rabbits. It's awesome. You get to feed, you get to eat really cheap that night. It's fantastic. So come on out for Wednesday night. God bless. Have I don't think there's anything else. Am I missing anything for this week? Jerry. Awesome. Very cool. So come on out for that. It would be a wonderful thing. All right. Uh, Peter, chairs. Do we need to do anything with the chairs this week? Take down both sides. Take, take down both sides for the youth group. Uh, don't leave the middle the way it is. Let's all stand. We'll begin to worship as the offering is received. Father, we praise you. We thank you, Lord. It's from you that all good things come. It's your glory. It's your praise. It's because you're, you are good. We thank you, Lord, for it, that we can participate in this, in your kingdom, this way. In Jesus' name, amen. The, the kids didn't get let out in time, so they're getting changed. Here, yeah, he's going to grab a mic for you right there. So I've asked Vern just to share something. What you're about to see today is uh, two uh, children that we prayed out on the street with. And we walked up to them just cold, and we asked them about knowing where Jesus lives. And uh, uh, we talked to them a little bit more, and their mother was there, and they prayed the prayer of salvation. And uh, what that means is they entered the kingdom of heaven through coming through Jesus. And if you're in this room and you don't know about where your destiny is, you need to know. Because today is the day of salvation. The Bible says, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's all about love for you as a human being. And if you don't know where you're going... That's like being lost. And that's what anybody is that don't know about Jesus in their heart. If you're in this congregation today, and you're a wanderer, there's a place right now to stop wondering. That's in Christ. He is the ultimate love. He's the ultimate peace. He's the guider of the human being in unusual ways. If you don't know where you're going... You need to know today. It's all about love. It's all about finding your destiny through the blood and through the power of Jesus' name. So if you're here and you don't know about Jesus, I'd like to have you stand. If you're here and you don't know your destiny, I'd like to have you stand. You need to have that settled. We can't make you. But the calling is that your direction and your peace can come today. And it will only come one way. The Bible says, 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but or by through me. Again, if you're not saved, you need to step through that door right now. I'd like to have everyone that is saved stand. That's everybody, John. at me and the Bible says or the Spirit of God would say to you young lady you're loved and special he adores you God is on your side and he will take care of you because you're so special I'd like to have you hold on to my hand right here now and then hold your nose with your other hand that's good enough I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and may the love of God special in love. God loves you so much. And we love you. Now in the name of the Father, hold your nose. Son and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If the water had been any deeper, she would have just walked through and came out the other side. Let's all stand. Father, we do thank you for you. We thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are so good. We thank you. We just give you this week. Lead us and guide us into all truth. Help us, Lord, to be your your light, your word, your son to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.